You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Right now, it's more difficult because right now, even legitimate discoveries are not recognized. So now you have to look at it and think, is it not a, is it not a discovery or is it something people are just not seeing or they do not have the guts to buy it right now? And I really think that there are two or three discoveries in the last three months that I think are probably real discoveries that have not seen any love from the market. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Power, speaking today with Luke Ten Hav. He is a returning guest. He's a resource speculator, well-respected on the online community, uh, and he's been at this for over a decade. And he, uh, in the last year, left his previous line of work, and he is running, and he founded a website called golddiscovery.com. So I asked him to come on the show to tell us uh, what he's been up to and how this uh, website could potentially serve you as a resource investor. So Luke, welcome back onto the program. I love the fact that you're an investor first. So you created something that you could see could fill a need for resource investors from the vantage point of being an investor for quite some time in this sector. So talk us through golddiscovery.com. What need did this fill and how is it different than some of the other mining stock websites out there? Yeah, thanks, Bill, for having me. Um, yeah, that's a good point to start with. Uh, there are many sites nowadays, for sure. Uh, some of them are really chat-oriented and some of them are more resource-oriented. And then you've got the newsletters and different ways of, of getting an audience. And for me as an investor and I don't know if I'm representing the average investor. So what I'm building is what I like. And in, in the process, I hope that I find out what other people like, because not everything that I will build will be of interest to people. Um, when I invest, in, I typically start with the share structure, even though management team is important. There are many things important, but the share structure is just could just kill everything, uh, even though everything else is good. Uh, if there are 2 billion shares out, then... It's very difficult for a small exploration company to raise capital, and so that's what that's why I well, often start in with Australia, though, right? Unless you're in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was looking at Predictive today, and they did it really well. But they started at 400 million when they made the discovery, and they were at 1.4 billion after a year or two. Uh, but they have a major discovery, so it could work out. But then everything needs to go really well to make it work for you. Um, so. It's just an example. I like share structure. And uh, in this market, when everything is really uh, discounted and people are skeptical, that's for sure the good time to start buying again. Uh, you never know exactly when, but I think right now uh, it's a good time. And with Gold Discovery, for example, you could go to the site, you get the complete company database. And you could say, oh, show me everything. Let's not start too eager. Let's just say everything under 100 million shares. That's just for small exploration companies. If that's your focus, a nice number to, to start with. It doesn't mean that companies above it are not good, but that's a nice starting point to just filter down your list if you're screening for buying things in this bad market. And you prefer to have some cash because raising money is difficult. So you could filter on, hey, two million more or more. I, I want to have two million dollar or more in the bank. And um, you start, and you get maybe out of the two thousand companies in Australia and in Canada, you get maybe one hundred and fifty. And then you could have a look like, okay, of these companies, how many have insider buying in the last six months? 
Uh, that's a nice criteria because if, if the insiders are not buying, then either something is wrong or they are simply not in the position to buy. That's possible. Um, so, and, and you have many other filters. You could filter on the stage they're in. You could filter on, on country. I mean, if you have five investments in Brazil and you think that's enough for me in Brazil, I want to have everything except Brazil, then you just uh, take Brazil away. So it, it makes it easier for you to make the long list of 2,000 companies you bring it down to 100 or 50. Uh, it's not just data. You know, you know, you cannot make a decision based on this data. That's just a starting point to start investigating a company. And um, I think that's a, a good starting point. Uh, the only risk, of course, is you could filter out a good company without knowing it. Uh, but this is just one example of a tool that I have been missing in the last couple of years to just quick, quickly run lists down. Um, so Stockwatch, one of the other sites out there wouldn't provide this ability that you're yeah, describing? Yeah, Stockwatch has a couple of those things, not everything. And they were the tool that I used for it, but I also had some, um, you, you cannot combine certain searches in one search, for example. You cannot say, I'm looking for companies with a cash balance above $2 million. And there are a couple of other things, like you cannot uh, sort or filter on insiders. Um, another example is, Every morning, I think all these thousands of resource speculators are hunting for their next big thing. They all go to the news page and want to look for big news. And I was thinking, like, what is big news? In general, that's drill results, acquisitions, earnings, uh, maybe a resource statement, uh, maybe a, an economic, uh, economic study. So to start with drill results, we provide them every morning, every day, and they are stand, you have a nice button behind the news release. If there's a drill result in there, you see a nice indicator. You can click on it. You will go to the drill page. You will see what they drilled and, and compare it to other drill holes in context. Um, so that's another one that you could use. In the future, we will also have studies. So every uh, PFS or F feasibility study will be in the list. So you, you could just say, show me all the feasibility studies of the last three years or one of the last three months, and you will see all of them. So it makes it much easier for the for the investor, for the speculator to find what he's looking for and to screen things down. And that's just one aspect of the website that um, I think makes life much easier if you are doing the work, the due diligence yourself. So when you say it'll uh, show the, feas the feasibility studies, is that the actual PDF or is there like a summary of the key points like, you know, CapEx, IRR, things like that yeah, that you can screen right. through? Almost everything on Gold Discovery is based on on filter features, so lists with filter features. So what what would what what would happen is you could give a date range. For example, I'm looking for all the studies this year, and you could say I'm looking for gold only or silver only, and then you could say I'm looking I want to sort on N, on the NPV, or I want to sort on the capex, or I want to only look for certain countries. Um, so you can certainly see like the five six highlights. I think that's NPV IRR. CapEx, um, mine life, and, and a couple of other numbers that are important to screen. And from there on, you have to do the work yourself. You have to go to the press release, read it, go to the technical report, read it. Uh, so it's not it's not solving all the problems for you, but it helps you in finding it and screening it. What about like historical studies? If an investor wants to say, how does a, a discovery of this nature typically perform share price wise historically? Mm. Are there some search features like that? Not yet, but that's what we are building for drill results right now. So we've we've got the drill results there. You can uh, put them into a list, company by company or exchange by exchange, um, or just one company. And what we are developing right now, and that will be live within two weeks, more or less, is 
performance versus uh, the result. And we will do the same for the uh, studies to, to see what, what happens when a company brings out a study to the share price. Um, so we also have this market landscape page where you have a lot of dots. So I think a lot of investors will think like, whoa, what is this? You see 2000 dots, but you can start filtering as well. And then you can quickly see how things are in relation with each other. And some investors will like the data part more. And some people think, well, this is a little bit too data driven for me but that's up to the investor. And we are testing and finding out what people like. And um, and if, if people have ideas of features that are not there in the industry yet, then we can really quickly build things. Uh, we have got a team uh, ready every week to build new things. And um, we are still open for new ideas, but we have um, we, a lot of things to do still. Okay, so Lukta, you've been on the show a couple of times and I've always learned something from you. This is the question I wanted to ask you. Okay, so have you as you've been putting together this data, are there some patterns that you've seen emerge from your study of historical data, historical discoveries that informed you as a resource investor that you could share with us? Uh, that's a good question. Like so patterns in in a sense of like uh, after a discovery, um, mm-hmm. you know, how do the discoveries of the last 10 years match up with the traditional Lasan yeah. curve as we've been taught it? Just anything or nickel discoveries relative to copper discoveries, how they perform share price wise, things like yeah. that. It, first of all, I think it's really, uh, it's also a bit of a, a bit tricky because we also cover discovery stories indeed. And when you only cover the positive outcomes, like the the great stories that everybody knows, then you have a positive bias. And I was thinking like, maybe we should also make an overview of discoveries that did not work out. Maybe initially they became a 10-bagger, but ultimately they went back to zero or close to zero because then you have a, a more complete picture. Uh, what I what I see is that almost every discovery, um, meaningful, not so meaningful, but at least something that suddenly surprises people gets that quick move up. Um, and uh, especially if it's like a new project, Greenfields, or something that people are not expecting, and suddenly it's there, you get that big move. And then within a couple of weeks, you should already see the follow-up holes coming. If it takes too long in most cases, then something is wrong in most cases. And over time, when they get closer to the first resource statement, that's often a point when, and I think most people know that, that things drop down again, because then they go come into that resource stage. And... Uh, and the impact is not uh, so meaningful anymore. So for sure, that initial stage is important. So you could say, go in when you really believe they have something. Go in, buy something like like a, a comfortable stake for you, like a, whatever position you are comfortable with, and then sell it after sell fifty percent after a week or two. Then you may leave a lot. Um, or maybe you, you miss out on a lot, but you have um, at least your um, your investment back. Um, that's in, in good markets. It works like works like that. Like in 2020, I did it a lot on every discovery hall. I just bought it in the morning, whatever it was, and it would always go up. And then typically sell 50% during the day or during the next days. Then that really worked out well. Right now, it's more difficult because right now even legitimate discoveries are not recognized. So now you have to look at it and think. Is it not a, is it not a discovery or is it something people are just not seeing or they do not have the guts to buy it right now? And I really think that there are two or three discoveries in the last three months that I think are probably real discoveries that have not seen any love from the market. So then, and then you start to doubt as an investor, like 
do I see it wrong? Um, I have no idea. And I've seen that with Mariana in 2015 when they made this big hot maiden discovery in uh, Turkey. It took a year for for the stock to go um, to go up significantly. And then a couple of years later, the um, the great um, what's the what's the name again? Uh, great Greatland Gold in Australia. They also announced a discovery, a really impressive hole, something like four grams over 150 meters, and they didn't get any bit until a year later and it became a 20 or 30 bagger. Sometimes you have this delayed response, especially in difficult markets. And sometimes when the company is listed on a difficult exchange. Um, so two different problems in the good markets. It is, it's different from investing in these things in the bad markets. And both of them are not necessarily easy because the ones that recently made a discovery, I'm still scratching my head and thinking like, am I wrong? Because this is not three weeks ago and still the stock is just trading as if nothing happens. Uh, so you need some geologists to help you, I think, and uh, prove you wrong. One data point I would be interested in if you end up studying this would be, um, you know, some say that for a real discovery, the drillers talk to their family members or the people at the bar. So the volume and the share price usually rises into a, a true discovery announcement. Like, do you see that pattern historically? It, like, yeah. And does does the Canadian markets differ from the Australian markets? That's another question I would have. Just, you know, data like that, that you might find interesting. Yeah, you often see that leak, uh, but more so in Canada than in Australia. I think in Australia, they typically hold the stock a number of days before the announcement. And I think for some reason, they, they keep it... Uh, within their own group. And of course, there are many people involved. You've got the labs, you've got the drillers, you've got the company, the friends, the consultants, a lot of people around the story. So uh, I can sometimes sense talking to a CEO, whether he's happy or not. I'm sure his wife or his neighbor can sense it. So um, yeah, in Australia, you don't see that that real uh, leak effect, what you typically see in the Canadian markets. Um, but it's not a guarantee as well. I mean, it's it's a nice indicator. I don't know if it's nice, but it's an indicator. But nothing that, that really would uh, prevent me from buying or uh, change my decision, I think. Something educational that I think is very helpful for investors that I've seen you put on Twitter and, and publish at golddiscovery.com is little uh, bubble commentaries on a share price. So you, you give the historical action of a share, like, for example, the BREX scam. And then you give your little commentary. Um, is that something you're going to plan to do more of? Yeah, I call them info charts or whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to show these. You, you refer to the discovery stories, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, I posted one of Briex because uh, somebody requested it, even though Briex is not a a real discovery story. But um, I think in, you can you can make uh, you can show ten percent of the story in such a chart. And people nowadays are really have, have short time frames. Uh, they want to re know it within a second and have no time anymore to read a full book. So these charts give you a nice uh, perspective on a story without necessarily knowing all the details because sometimes these details are just amazing and you should really re read the book uh, about the discovery. But like Briex, the way it started, it was an 8 cent stock and um, they did a couple of deals in Indonesia. And when they started to publish these results, which were in hindsight not real, uh, 400 meters of uh, four grams gold from surface, then the stock really started reacting. And I see that people like these overviews because it sometimes reminds people from the old days, the good old days, 
and um, they get a lot of likes and retweets. And it's also if people like it and I can provide these things, it helps me in promoting the site a bit and it helps them in reading about past discoveries, which they find interesting. So it's kind of a win-win, I think. So you you used to work in the oil and gas industry, right? As a consultant? Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. so you left that behind to do this full-time. So how is the site supported? Is it the sponsor model or is it the user model or a combination of both? Right now it's um, supported by me, by myself. It's a tech startup, right? It's a tech startup. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make up my mind yet about how to, uh, at some point, it needs to become a real company and a company cannot just be uh, funded by me and uh, for, for the next 10 years. But I haven't made up my mind yet uh, on how to do it. Um, I, the best model I like prefer, preferably is a paywall that people who really want to use the service pay for it because then you're almost free uh, from conflict of interest and, and people who really want to use it pay uh, a monthly fee for it. But I think it takes a bit of time to build an audience and um, and also get a, a good enough product that people are willing to pay for it. Uh, we are, we have a nice product, but it's not there yet. We have many more things in the pipeline. Uh, so for right now, I'm not chasing that. Uh, we might do the sponsor model if that makes sense, but only if it's in a way uh, that I can be comfortable with it. I, I don't really like sites where you get 30 pop-ups -up, pop before you can actually start doing things. I want to have a clean site that works properly, uh, but you still need to provide some value to the the company that sponsors you. So um, I've got some ideas in mind, but I'm not in a hurry with this. I, I really want to have a clean, nice product that people want to use, and I want to keep it like that. And it's not easy to do the perfect model, but... Um, yeah. So long story short, it's not decided yet, but there are some ideas. And users can sign up for your beta model that you've launched, right? Yeah. Yeah. We call it a beta model because it's there's a lot of data, uh, even on the front end side of the site, which, which people see. Um, you cannot even see how much we have in the background connected. And that's just, it's, it's becoming a pretty big site. And I just want to make sure that we have tested it for a couple of months with people on the site before we really release it as a full product. Uh, but I consider it close to a full product already. Uh, but every now and then, users tell me like, hey, I found this, maybe we should change it. And so we still make some adaptions here there. So what's the role of humans uh, inputting information into the site and computers or feeds so for example you created these charts obviously i'm assuming that was you researching 3x and putting the bubbles on the chart and giving the explanation right yep. and so how much in human input even like when you talk about like insider filings and things like that or um the key metrics of a feasibility study like there's no data feed that you can get for that right that has to be all manually inputted is that right uh, yeah, it's a combination. Most of it is automatic. Like uh, obviously, insiders. There, we probably have four hundred thousand insider transactions in our database. I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> that would be a lot of work. And uh, so, so insiders is automated. Uh, the news is automated. The prices. Um, um, yeah. So the only things that we have manual involvement in is drill results. We do. We do have some automation in that process, but we still manually review it. Because companies release drill results, sometimes they release old results. Uh, so if our system picks up an old result, I don't want to publish an historic result as if it's released today. Does the does uh, a computer read the press release to get the drill result? How, how yeah, does... it helps us. Yeah, yeah, to, to scan the re releases um, and to to get the results summarized. 
we have considered to also show, for example, the stage that the company is in or the type of model they are. So if the company is looking for a VMS to also say this is VMS. But I realized that some companies, even after a discovery, do not really know what kind of system they are, uh, like what kind of deposit they found. They still are in debate about it. So I'm not a geo, so I think I will leave it to the to the cold data, like the, the meters, the grams, and the, the, and the intercepts. And there's a, quite a bit of manual work uh, involved in it still. But we want to make sure that that, news, that that those results are out really like five or 10 minutes after the news release comes out. Otherwise, you know, that's, that's then people have most value from it because they can quickly go to goal discovery. Just say, show me the, the drill results in the morning. And they don't have to go news release by news release and try to find these things. All drill results should just be tabilized and... Um, if they want the news release, that's just one click and they are in the news release itself. But it's just a, a screener for results. And the same for these studies in the future. Um, yeah, the five or six or eight fields, uh, we might automize it. We, we're not sure yet because it is possible, but it's also it's not easy. Uh, you, you can make mistakes because there are so many details in these, press, in these press releases that a system can also pick the wrong number and then you show the wrong numbers to the audience. So you need some quality control to make sure that everything is correct. Excellent. Well, your website is golddiscovery.com. I'm going to also link to Luke's Twitter below. Follow him on Twitter if you're there. And Luke, if anybody has any further questions as a follow-up, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, if you go to golddiscovery.com, you can find my email there. You can find a contact form there. So um, you can even find my phone number. You have a WhatsApp a button which you can directly link in, uh, to me. So um, don't there, abuse there's... that, guys. Don't abuse that. <laughs> yeah, there are plenty. There are plenty of ways to get in contact with me, yeah. and I'm I'm really happy to for any question because we are new, and uh, if we are not open to our users, then we are doing something wrong. So everybody can call me or email me or um, reach out to me for any question or comment. Well, I hope you're so successful that you're going to have to change your cell phone number now that you're giving it out here. <laughs> so, uh, Luke, thanks for this overview, and I wish you the best of success. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly.
The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.